Hi, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to Forgotten Cinema's 30-second ad. Forgotten Cinema is a podcast where we talk about films that, for a variety of reasons, seem to have been forgotten by audiences. We talk notes about production and release, why we believe these films were forgotten, and whether or not we think they're worth a revisit. Forgotten Cinema is available wherever you listen to your podcasts and on ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com. So grab your popcorn and soda. Please notice exits are available at the front and rear of the auditorium. And be sure to check out Forgotten Cinema. Hey, my friend. I got that kid I was talking to you about here. I'm going to put him on the phone and let you talk to him, okay? Hello? Is that Frank? Yes. Hiya, Frank. This is Jimmy Hoffa. Glad to meet you. Glad to meet you, too, even if it's over the phone. Our friend speaks very highly of you. Thank you. Only three people in the world have one of these. And only one of them is Irish. I heard you paint houses. Yes, I do, sir. Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I am your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at Nomcast Pod on Twitter and Instagram, or you can follow me at Jokes on Drew. Okay, here it is, folks. The movie Netflix fans have been waiting for ever since the teaser aired during the 2019 Oscars. I'm happy to say that this episode is The Irishman, Martin Scorsese's latest film and the first with Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci since 1995's Mafia classic Casino, and the first ever with their co-star Al Pacino. The film follows the life and crimes of Frank Sheeran, a high-ranking labor union official and hitman, with ties to the Buffalino crime family and the larger-than-life leader of the Teamsters, Jimmy Hoffa. The cast is headed by De Niro, who plays Sheeran, Pacino plays Hoffa, and Joe Pesci, who hasn't been on screen in nearly a decade, plays the reserved yet powerful crime boss, Russell Buffalino. But the stars don't stop there with performances by Anna Paquin, Harvey Keitel, Ray Romano, Jesse Plemons, Bobby Cannavale, Stephen Graham, and many, many more. To help me break down this three-and-a-half-hour-long epic, I brought back a staple of this show, the hosts of the Forgotten Cinema podcast, Michael Field and Mike Butler. They were together previously on the pod for our Rim of the World episode, and Michael Field is making his fourth appearance and was, of course, our first-ever guest for The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Go to ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com to check out their amazing podcasts. And be sure to check out their past appearances on this show and every past episode of our show by subscribing to the Nomcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get quality podcasts. And be sure to give us a five-star review. Okay, thanks for listening and enjoy our conversation on The Irishman. For anyone who hasn't heard them on the podcast before, this tough crowd before me is the Forgotten Cinema guys, uh, Michael Field. That's right. And Mike Butler. <laughs> How you doing? Thank you guys for, for joining me. Uh, obviously, I couldn't have two any different movies than going from Rim of the World by McGee to now what I consider the Super Bowl 
of Netflix movies, uh, especially for this year, the big temple that is The Irishman. So you know, yeah. Mick G, Marty score. You know, it's it's all it's Whoa. all the same in this Marty, world, right? Hold on, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pause the cast right here. Marty scores. <laughs> Marty scores. Yeah. <laughs> Marty scores. Oh God, Alpy. Yeah, <laughs> all the greats. Oh, Bobby! Yeah. Sorry, I apologize. I, I, I was told not to yell. Yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> I turned your mic off a long time ago. Aww. So, but thank you guys for for coming here. Uh, I, and also thank you and everybody else who came out to Holiday Cinemas on on Friday. We're recording this, you know, ahead of time. I don't know when this is exactly going to come out. I'm going to try to have it uh, Thanksgiving hope- weekend. Well, my hope is for the Monday before. For okay. uh, the the streaming release, so we'll see how that works out. Because I'm very excited to actually have something where I saw it in the theater, and s- the guests also saw it in the theater. Mm-hmm. So now I can actually record it before the movie drops on Netflix. So it's very exciting for Ooh. me. So uh, because uh, you happen to be on the Nomcast, but obviously I'm with the Forgotten Cinema Boys, so I'm going to start with just to set the table sure. a little bit of the production facts because this movie, as opposed to you know some of the other Netflix ones has very much a lot of storylines coming in before I even saw it. Okay. Uh, I remember when I sat down with you guys in the theater, uh, you know, before the movie started, that we were kind of talking about some of those in terms of like how the movie got to Netflix, the experience of people, you know, either waiting for Netflix or seeing it in the theater and, and all of those conflicts. So I figured I'd lay out some of those. So part of the reason why this movie went to Netflix was budgetary concerns the movie landed at 159 million dollars for its budget Uh, rumors even had it up to 175 but most of the reports have it at 159 Uh, it was originally at paramount until it was dropped due to those budget concerns and obviously they were shopping it around town and netflix uh swooped in and took that one over currently to kind of offset that uh the box office for this movie is at 2.4 mil so they have a little bit more to go i think if they <laughs> want to cover their 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 nut there scorsese said that uh i i was listening to a lot of the the new york film festival coverage and some of the other festival coverage and he had said that once netflix picked it up uh, he had no interference from them whatsoever, which allowed them to take some chances with the CGI and really got this movie the way it was. And so a lot of those things that they had going into this uh, was a lot of the things that we talk about on the Nomcast where the reputation Netflix has is they are like, hey, you're the creator. We want you here. We want you here long term. So we're just going to let creators create and we're going to stay out of the way. And you can tell with this movie and from what I've heard from other sources uh, for the interview that I have also on this podcast with uh, Jordan Di Natale, she was telling me about how they actually did the CGI on set where I guess it has like infrared buttons that like are not detectable so it's not like a ping pong ball situation it's not like any of them they just put infrared pieces that they actually do the makeup over so you can't tell whatsoever that these people are like being uh, cgi'd on on the set that's interesting i guess yeah so, but they did all that and they did all these tests with uh industrial light magic who conducted all the cgi and they did all this because they had this budget otherwise you know it wouldn't have worked even if they stayed with paramount so it would have been a no, non-starter anyway right so what do you guys think of of 
kind of like how this movie came together like because uh, it's a non-traditional thing the netflix thing became a hot button topic what do you guys think and we could start with mike field start with me just because i'm staring at you what do i think about it be going to netflix yeah like oh. uh, something a uh, big name like scorsese the studios not being able to afford 150 million uh, you know 150 160 million for a movie like this like what is that say to you what how do you feel about that uh, i think that it would say something like paramount's not ready to take that risk if, right. if the budget was up for 160 it's not like this is a james cameron movie like it's not like it's avatar 2 right and you know 200 million dollar budget is going to be you're going to make that back worldwide because action plays better overseas right this is a drama I yeah mean, i don't know if now when he went to netflix they said do whatever you want so is that why it's three and a half hours right or was it gonna be was paramount gonna make them cut it right was it gonna be coming at two and a half or two right so there's that question i don't even know if they got that far to be honest true the script from what i understand uh written by steven zalian it was written 10 years ago at this point yeah so i don't remember hearing anything about that being altered in any way so my guess is that the the intention the whole time was going to be that this long of a movie in fact i heard the original cut was four hours so you know they knocked it down to 3 30 see butler they knocked it down okay complaining about how long it was they cut it it's too long <laughs> this isn't the time <laughs> it's what not you, what are you doing you're like you're doing your dinero over there well it's going quiet i would just say nothing the whole time <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know oh <laughs> uh, well, well, well i'm sorry no, but you i'm gonna yeah. answer i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna answer mr morgan's question. yeah 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 uh yeah, I think that it's just I think it shows you where we are in terms of content, in terms of where you can find it. And right. Everything's changing. Everyone's going to their streaming networks now. Disney Plus, Netflix, right. HBO Max, Warner Media is gonna have their own. It's like right. this is where we are now. This is the future of content creation. If you're a creator like Scorsese and one the normal you know way you've made movies is kind of getting shut down to you look how they shut down all these old-time uh, directors and writers and right like, you know i'm sorry you're just too expensive like like romero and stuff like that right people that aren't allowed to make movies anymore yeah because they whatever they just don't know how to market them or they're not in there i mean i can go off on a tangent about how the studios <laughs> are just like run by executives and right. everything's you know marketed and everything's trying to like what's the perfect movie to make everything movies aren't you know creativity is no longer just born right just created for lack of a better term creativity now is packaged and put together and right and pieces are brought here and there and, and somebody takes the director here and a writer here and these actors are these will be fine put them together give yeah me. and that's how they're done now and right and a movie like the irishman whether you like it or not i'm looking at you butler um, <laughs> you know this is still his movie it's yeah. not scorsese movie oh but 28 executives told him that no you got to piece it together like this it's right. still his movie so yeah. good or bad he got to do what he want i'd rather just see i want to i'd rather see somebody's failed attempt but it's their film yeah. rather than see something that's put together in a lab that's supposed to develop some that most right. make me feel something right so I, I think that this is this is where we are this is go where they're going to let you do what you need to do and right, right now netflix is is that company for him Right. I mean, I don't know if I can believe that Disney Plus would be a place like that. 
like a, a no i doubt it you know what i mean like I, if, if you the, you'd probably have to fit some kind of motif did you not yeah that I'm, I'm tangent no that's here. fine did you see the thing that kathleen kennedy said about how she's like there she's she just came out and said something like to the effect of really nervous about what to do beyond the star wars because there's really nothing written down for like what happens in the star wars after the skywalker skywalker saga right well maybe it's you like, shouldn't have fired george lucas right <laughs> i mean are you kidding yeah. me you say yeah. that yeah you should have and i'm sure they do have a team that they bring in or maybe uh you know benioff and weiss or these other people that they brought in like work something out instead of letting netflix also swoop in and give them 300 million dollars and make you look less less of a a commodity but getting back to the irishman (laughs) uh, (laughs) sorry for the star wars no it's fine it's fine uh it's all relevant i mean especially because the reason why netflix is doing a movie like the irishman that they're gonna pony up this kind of money is because they need this type of content to exist to fight the streaming wars because Disney Plus comes in, it's a half the price every month, and they have already a catalog of these, you know, huge temple movies spanning decades. So you, you're, if you're a young content create uh, company like Netflix, you need something like this to where people are going to be like, oh wait, it's only here. I want to see this, right? And I'll be interested to see whether going forward they have a strategy of putting this on dvd at all like they've done with like stranger things or some of these other products of theirs that they put out that makes sense because i just my father-in-law uh he doesn't watch any of the streaming network so we just bought him we bought him the box set for chernobyl because i know know, that's the only way he's gonna watch it so stuff like that no i can see that so some people do that uh obviously i haven't seen many netflix movies like on any level i think roma just got the criterion collection so they're going to be on that but beyond like something that netflix physically planned i haven't seen that but now we're here now a lot of the narratives that have come in uh like things like we we already talked about the the bloated budget the runtime butler obviously apparently that was a prohibitive thing that we (laughs) talked about going into it you have things like the return of joe pesci from his retirement essentially begging Uh, him to do this 50 40 to 50 times yeah exactly you're gonna do it or not you're gonna do it or not screw you joe you're doing it and seeing him in every uh panel interview thing where he's they ask him a question he's just like no i'm not gonna talk and then he's just sitting there doing nothing. And yeah. I love every minute of it because <laughs> they just, all these like uh, marketing executives just, ah, ah, I have no idea. He's just, and he'll, he, for the one for New York Film Festival, he was literally dressed in all black, black hat, shades. And they asked him a question of like, how does it feel to come out of retirement? Like, did you have any apprehension? He's like, no. Um, <laughs> and that was it. That's all he said. And the whole place just erupted in laughter. I love Joe Pesci. Uh, <laughs> But so there's that, and then there's other things about, like, uh, the Anna Paquin character. They had, like, a controversy over, like, how little she speaks, even though she's a, supposed to be Why a big a character. Controversy? Exactly. Well, we can get into all these she's things, called, but oh I'm just saying there's a million narratives coming into the movie. But what I want to know from you guys, we'll start off with just general feelings. Now that it's here... What did you guys think? Did you did you make it without having to go to the bathroom? Anything uh, that you think is relevant? I made Mike it without Butler. Going to the bathroom. He did not make it. No, I did. Oh, no. Did you make it? I surrant. He got up. So, our friend, oh, got, our up. friend got, yeah. got up. Yeah, I right. made it. I'm proud of you. <laughs> oh, you talk about go ahead. You I'm go proud first. of both of you. Thanks, regardless. Man. Yeah. Thanks, man. Did you? I made it straight through. I was I good. Did. Yeah, yeah. There was one moment in the film I don't remember when our friend got up to go. 
It must have been about two hours and 15 minutes. Okay. Eight other people at the same time got up. I can't remember what <laughs> But it was like the scene to go to the bathroom. Right. We all got up at the same time. Yeah. And left together. And it was the worst yeah. thing I've ever seen in a movie theater. Yeah. There's an app called Run P where it, in there it tells you, it, I swear to God, it tells you, it breaks down the movie, it tells you what time to go to the bathroom, like what you miss, and it tells you, like, like there's no- Oh, no yet. way. Yeah. It, it was it's actually, not, I don't know if he created it, he was part of it, but it was Carson Palmer's brother, Jordan Palmer, the quarterback. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. It. yeah. It's called Run Pay. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Excuse me, I'll, I'll be downloading this while you tell me, uh, answer my question there, Mr. Butler. So- General impressions, what did you think of the movie, uh, and did any of the things that were your apprehensions beforehand manifest in, in watching the movie? I was worried about two things. It's the long runtime and the effects. Yeah. And the runtime is was, I think, too bloated. I think it's way too long. I think there's a good film in there, but it's right. like I, I was talking to, to Mike earlier, Field. I was like, this that's is like a really good steak, <laughs> but that's got a lot of fat on it. It's right. Like, there's a really great steak in there, but I got to trim some stuff off. Okay. Um, in terms of the effects, it it wasn't as bad as I thought because Robert De Niro starts aging pretty quickly. I thought Joe Pesci, despite the fact that they really did fill in a lot of his jaw, yeah, he was really well done. But I felt Robert De Niro, his mouth kind of had Henry Cavill Superman syndrome mm. a lot of the times in yeah. the early years when he's in his quote unquote twenties or thirties. Yeah. And they didn't do a great job. And what also affected, which I didn't know was going to be the case, is his walk, his gait. Yeah, they actually had uh, people on set that were in charge specifically of, uh, I forgot what they called them exactly, like, not stature, but, like, uh, basically people to posture, like, people to remind them, essentially, that, like, hey, this is, well, basically, yeah, like, this is how old you are in this scene, so try to manipulate your maneuvers to be. That just makes me think that they're like, huh, what? Yeah. <laughs> Which basically reminds me of most of the footage that I watch from all these panel things where it's just guys going, Why well, I couldn't hear you. I swear it was so annoying. Um but they they did make efforts to try to match uh what I felt when I was watching. I th- I was actually very impressed with, with the de aging stuff. I think at moments it, especially in in times of movement, that's when you can really do it. So I agree with you there. But I think overall to keep all of that, even in a lot of motions or to work around that was very impressive. And I think the technology is unreal for what they could do and, and finding out that it's very minimalist as far as like the actors, like it's not a prohibitive things on there. Yeah. It's on the face, you know, no makeup covering. Yeah, no, just small, basically infrared, almost stickers. And then they do the makeup over it. So you came and see, so it's, like nothing it's not like talking to a tennis ball like a star wars movie or something like that so that i found that all very interesting and and also i felt de niro specifically was the one obviously who has to go through so many years in the process is like his 40s yeah once he's around that age like it was i really barely noticed it It was yeah early scenes and after that i was fine like yeah never came back to it and the tough part is too because we have a thought of what de niro looks like and he not only do you know what he looked like back then of course because he's had a very long career but also he was wearing blue eye contact lenses so you know a lot of those had like a certain sheen to it that made it also look a little different yeah. too, a little off. So some of those, when it really kicked off the blues, I was like, "Oh, all right, that that definitely looks CGI." But it never took me out. 
it, I, if anything, I was like, wow. Uh, there was a few ones that that made it look right. a, a little older. Close ups. Yeah, yeah. And the one scene in the meat shop where he walks and it's it's just him walking. Yeah, that's where I really noticed his gait. Other than that, it didn't take me out as much as I thought it was. Yeah. But so for the rest of the movie, like, so it sounds like you had some issues with the movie, but your overall feelings on what you saw. I think you can trim quite a bit of the movie up, but overall, it's, it is a very good movie. It's, it's got a lot of great scenes, a lot of very memorable scenes with a lot of great actors doing ama- like Al Pacino and Pesci. Both I can see nominated for this film. Right. Because their scenes are tremendous, especially Pesci. I think they could have focused a little, like trim back some of Frank's biography, either front or back. Right. Focus more on the Hoffa. Right. That could also be because I really enjoyed the, uh, Pacino as Hoffman. I really enjoyed yeah. that storyline and wanted to see more of that as opposed to the rest of Frank. Yeah. Hoffman became my interest. I, I From a lot of the reviews I've read and, and any of those things, I definitely have seen where a lot of people feel like the first hour was like just a lot of exposition, a lot of things you have to get through to kind of get to the real meat of this, which is not surprising. It's a very much a three-act staging with this movie but part of that second act is Hoffa that's where it really kind of kicks up and kind of really takes flight so how did you feel uh Mr. Field uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) that and obviously like I said I was mocking your 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 cinema discussion but (laughs) uh (laughs) but obviously it seems like you had a, a great experience in watching the movie and does part of that include that you really liked this movie well, the problem, the thing with going to the theater is like I don't go to the theater anymore, right? Like in terms because I'm working all the time. But like, but like when you go to the theater all the time, it, I I can understand where like everyone's there every weekend. I can understand where you're just kind of like, eh, it's okay. But this was like an event. Like you were hosting an event. It was yeah. like, you know, let's go. It's not in theaters anywhere. You're gonna see it two weeks early, right? You know, it's it's you know we're going to a theater we've never been to before. It's like that. Add, that all adds to the, that all adds to that. So the yeah. thing in terms of just. Uh, you know my excitement about seeing in the cinema. I that's all part of that, all part and parcel with doing it. It's not just going. Hey, what's, so let's go to the movies in front of. Let's see what's there. Right. It's not like going to see like Angry Birds or something like. Right. That. Yeah. But in terms of the movie, I thought. Did I tell you we're sponsored by Angry Birds nice. too? On this awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'll play the game. Uh, I mean, I will. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of the movie itself, I felt very much. I was telling Mike that I felt like I got a like a Goodfellas vibe. Mm-hmm. Casino vibe, just like I loved everything. Like I'm, you know the guy, the the guy I watched it with. Yes, he actually Serpico incarnate. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, he actually contacted me. He's like, dude, let's go see. It. We got to go see it. And I'm like, well, I'm going. Yes, this you want to come with? And he's like, yeah, yeah I want to go because like we were going to see this together anyway. So right, we were really excited about it. So I was already excited about seeing this movie. Yeah, and like I mean, we we're I've been doing the line all week to him. I've been texting him all week, going uh, with all due respect, Frank. Your daughter was out of line. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with all due respect. I love that scene, but there's still, yeah. there's stuff in that I really really like. I didn't find I was not I was not like the first hour as you said. I that didn't bother me. Yeah, and I and yes, it's. It's three and a half hours. It's a long time to sit in a theater. I get yeah. that. But I don't know if I'm willing to sit here and say that it's too long because I want to see it again. To, because it to me, if it's too long, it's there's like you said, there's stuff you can cut out. I just don't know. I don't know what that would be yet because I know I know a lot of people probably don't like the ending. I mean, we're going to spoil this, right? Yeah. I know a lot of people don't like because it, it slows down because it's him basically at the end of his life. Yeah. And, and you're and but but when you see them all dying off and when you see like like. Old Joe Pesci really like 
bum me out. Yeah. He's like sitting in the wheelchair and he's shaking his hand and it, like all yeah. that stuff. I'm just like, oh man. Yeah. Like, so it started getting really sad because there's like, they're all towards the end of their lives and yeah. he's alone in his room because of the stuff that he did and his right. daughters don't want to talk to him and stuff like that. Yeah. And you know, but again, it, I think it goes to show you that that life is not all, you know, what it's cracked up to be. Like it's going right. to end and it's not going to end. You're not going to be surrounded by people that you love because you've alienated all of them. Well, that's why I was um, actually interested in because wh- I didn't get the Goodfellas vibe. I, I uh, mean, like, in terms of just seeing Scorsese and that, like them doing a Scorsese film, like in that, right. in that aspect, some of the dialogue, some of the lines. Some of the, D- some there of the are scenes, scenes for yeah, sure. Yeah, like yeah, some yeah. of the exchanges, like especially the clip going around online, the, the famous uh, and now <laughs> the shorts, scene right, the right. business meeting in florida right. like that scene definitely has that fuck you attitude sure. that like kind of that back and forth that that basically goodfellas was known for mm-hmm. i definitely felt that vibe but you're you're right i mean this movie I, i'll i'll split the tie with the uh the length debate i thought it was accurate i agree with you that and i do want to see it again i do have that kind of <laughs> attitude um <laughs> There's a lot of middle fingers going around for anyone to see. So, but I, I definitely you need it to be this long. Maybe not three thirty, but definitely long. It's a long time to sit in the theater. I just don't know if I'm there yet to say like it's too long. I'm not saying cut it down to two hours. I I get you, three and a half. It's a long time to be in a theater. That's a two VHS movie, Mike. But this is going to be two VHS tapes. No, but as I said, (laughs) oh the days. Yeah. And I would have put in that second tape. Well, That's what I'm it. saying. This movie I got to flip the laser disc over, right? I got to flip it over. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but I would say that, and maybe Butler can chime in on it. If, if this movie was the same runtime or even slightly longer, and they did, they gave it the Hateful Eight treatment and broke this up into four, you know, essentially hour long episodes, would that have done anything for you? Yeah, I mean, I can see this. It would play better on Netflix, honestly, mm. as a longer film. And it's I disagree, I, so I'm interested. I, I, yeah. I enjoyed the cinematic experience, but when yeah. they began with the um, I Paint Houses at the beginning, yeah. I thought that's what that was going to be. I thought it was going to break it up by chapter. Oh, I see. Yeah, like, okay. I was like, all right, it's based on a book. I know that's the title of the book. That's fine. That's cool. Right. And I thought I was going to get another chapter as we went along, and then it right. stopped. But I think breaking it up like that, yes, I think it would have made it a little more palatable by having like an act structure that was like clear cut, like boom, act one, act two. I hear you. One. I think they did the I paint houses thing, uh, or I heard you paint houses thing, uh, to help, uh, to basically as a, a an appeasement a little bit to uh, De Niro because he wanted, he wanted that. the that to be the name of the movie. So I think to have it bookended with that, I think was just something I that think he would better. Been title i think so too and obviously it has the book recognition so i'm not sure why they did that but yeah but but to just kind of wrap up the conversation on the on the link thing i think this movie you need uh, two things concern me one i actually think it would not play better i actually am apprehensive about telling people to wait for netflix a lot of people will have to because it's not in that many theaters obviously it didn't go to the major chains but I would encourage people to see it in the theater if they can. Or if you do watch it on Netflix, if you hit the pause button and wait to finish it up another day or the next day, I think it loses something. Of course. Because if you you need to take in, like you were saying, you're seeing that whole last half of the third act, seeing the effects of the rest of the movie on Frank Sharon. 
mm-hmm. and you need to really have that impact hit you, I feel like you need to take it in all at once. Because if you break it up and go, oh man, this is three and a half hour, I'll watch an hour and a half one night and two hours another mm-hmm. night or whatever, I don't think it hits. I, I really don't. And I think, and even the fall or stubbornness, uh, with however you want to characterize Hoffa, you also need, you, if you break up in between the ride, I think that also takes a hit. Mm-hmm. So for me, I didn't mind three and a half hours. Captain Marvel over here would, I, I did mock you before. Uh, I was like, wait, how long is Endgame again? Because I think, what is that, like 310, 315 or yeah. something? Some... I didn't say Endgame was yeah, uh, you did. No, no, not too not long not. either. Oh, okay. Endgame is also far too long. And yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what I will say, I, I definitely could have used less than Endgame. I think this movie, because it has, it's like, the first 45 minutes to basically it's the movie is pre Hoffa Hoffa, you know, the fall, the, the fall from grace slash end stage well, the, of life. The, the uh, inevitable ending of any person in that life. Well, not for, I mean, to be honest, it's impressive that Frank Sheeran lived to be in his eighties. I mean, yeah. not many people li- live to see the, the downfall of what they their life had become i actually like how did you guys feel about um right from the get seeing a character and having the text come up and say exactly yeah, how I they died i didn't get that i didn't understand what that was for oh, i love that I, I thought i gave like a nice little like fun no, goodfellas kind of vibe. i liked it but, but like, i didn't understand like i like it, it almost like they never they never kind of completed that like why were you doing that i think just to show it's a real life it's a real these are real people boom and Boom! None of them got out. But why but not? He did. But why not show when they like? Why not when they're pulling away at the end when they have Sharon in the room and they have the slit? Why not put the final text up there saying like how he died? Like you uh, know, you know what I mean? Why not do that? I, I I think it was supposed to show like consequences that like it, it's not. This movie does a great job of not glorifying almost in a way like a good fellas or casino of the life mm-hmm. like because those movies are pure fire pure cocaine like you go on this huge ride i'm talking about good fellas and I casino but and obviously there is a portion of this i don't feel like they ever had like that hey here's this sick montage of us going around killing people or drug running or gun running sure. there was it was a very i've, I've seen the term clumsy used and especially even even think of the violence in this movie i mean outside of like the impersonal stuff like blowing up cars and and setting up or pushing them into the ocean or any of these other fun scenes think of how he does most of his hits it's with a small small gun right to the face usually just running shooting leaving it's not like look at me i'm on top of the world i'm this big shit it's it's a machine he's a cog and it's it's doesn't glorify a lot of them are just quick headshots and gone. He's a worker bee. He's a blue collar worker bee. Right. But even and like even like him killing Hoffa. <gasps> even like him killing Hoffa. <laughs> like he doesn't. He his obviously he's he has some consternation because he's friends with Hoffa. But yeah, he knows that he's you know with Russell and he's friends with them and he knows that they're giving him a job because he works for them. Right. He doesn't work for Hoffa, so it's, he's got to do his job. He's a, he's a worker bee, and he's got it. Okay, these guys, I have to do this. This is what I have to do. It is what it is. Right. And right. he does it, and that's, he's just good at his job, and he just works Yeah. to the detriment of his family. Like, yeah. going back to the scene that I, when you were talking about 
how they don't glorify it, like the scene that we like when he beats up the shopkeeper because he's taking <laughs> his hand with his daughter. Yeah. But that's punctuated by the fact that his daughter's now scared of him. Yes. And that Anna Paquin's character, like she just doesn't, you know, she's ne- she doesn't like that life. She doesn't get along with Russ. Right. Because she knows that he is with that life. You yeah. Know, she loves Hoffa because Hoffa is somebody who she admires. Yeah. You know, even though he's, you know, not. not well, he's also very charismatic. He too. is, but he's, you know, he's not necessarily, you know, the white knight, but still. Right. You know, but so I thought that even though I like that scene, it's still punctuated by the fact that it's not good for him and his family. Yeah. yeah. How did you feel about the, the, the play on between Hoffa and Buffalino, like the, and how the daughter saw that relationship. How do you, how do you feel about that? Like how they portrayed that? I thought it was pretty true. Like a kid that is afraid of someone is just going to be shut down. is going to be frozen. It's going to not, but no, they can't be rude. It's just going to not right. say anything at all, not get themselves in a position where they can be yelled at. But when she starts getting all these gifts, I feel like I really enjoyed that. Like the young actresses, like her reactions to, feeling awkward getting those stick right and, and when she gets that hundred dollar bill just like you can like see her gut just drop and like, yeah what other kid would like feel that way getting a hundred right yeah back then it's like yeah because she knows where this money came from like some of like kids have like this sixth sense of like good person bad person sometimes like, well i was gonna say do you think the movie was trying to make a point like about the difference between hoffa and I think so. And like, Hoffa used the mob as a means to an end. Right. But he was mobbed up and kept saying that. Like, ah, this is my union. This is my union. These are my guys. Like, more like he used them to get this union, but he believed in the union. Right. The mob believed in, you know, the mob. Right. And doing all these bad things if you didn't do what you're supposed to. Right. And it's possible that maybe because of that, she ignored the fact that aligning yourself with the mob in any way is right. just not good either. Now, let me... Let me uh, let me expand on on Hoffa a little bit. So, how did you guys feel about because this movie is a quote unquote true story, um, and I say that in quote unquote because it's a lot of people think Frank Sheeran may or may not be an unreliable narrator. This is based on a one man's accounts of what happened for decades. We didn't know what happened to Hoffa, um, and we're now taking his word that what was portrayed in the movie is basically gospel. A lot of people are going to take it that way. Does anybody have any feelings that like this is an accurate portrayal in history? Like this is a big deal. Uh, or do you think that uh, playing fast and loose potentially with historical facts uh, is, is possibly dangerous? Well, was any other death that he did or any other killing uh, in, in this movie or in this book, was that also uh, talked about like not happening was that also something that was well i know um crazy joe right. uh i know that joey gallo that was like a big deal uh at some point but historically but no, no, i don't I'm, know no i'm saying did anyone else say like well he, he didn't he didn't kill all these people or is it just hoffa they're saying he didn't kill well uh hoffa is definitely the disputed one um as far as like maybe it might not line up with the facts, but I, uh, I know, uh, listening to interviews with the people who were involved in the Irishman, a lot of them largely believe that believe him. Like, I, and, and I, I don't, don't, yeah, I don't, I don't see why he would at this right. point do that and I mean, kind of yeah. make it. And I guess a lot of the accounts, especially from the book or or other parts that have been, they're so detailed that they were able to really make this movie come alive. So 
it kind of is like, well, if he's lying, he's the best liar I've ever seen kind <laughs> right. of a situation. I know there's a myth of Jimmy Hoffa, like, you know, because he disappeared and no one's ever saw him. And it's like, it's yeah. kind of like become like an urban legend type thing. I'm going to say this lightly. You're not much older than me, but you are older than me. And wiser. So, yes, yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Which is why you're doing Forgotten Cinema, because you've forgotten so many. I have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Where am I? Yeah. But I would say nothing about growing up in the 80 or growing up in the way that i knew nothing about hoffa except that he disappeared did anybody else have a different experience i think that's the whole point toward the end of the film although the nurse didn't know hoffa at all i think that's how everybody knows hoffa i know and i think that's why he wanted to tell his story is i did feel kind of stupid i would like (laughs) i would think that the nurse might know hoffa from the jack nicholson movie like she might have been like you know what dan devito like i think she might have known it then everybody knows him because like you said the disappearance right Hoffa disappeared right because i and i take this i don't mean to insult you Uh, i'm slightly younger than you yeah yeah of course yeah (laughs) and even i know hoffa disappeared yeah there's a guy that ran afoul of somebody and vanished right but you like history i do like history that is true but one thing, at least historical in, in this movie, that I I heard Scorsese's account because uh, he was asked in the panel for uh, New York Film Festival was how they handled the Kennedy assassination. Uh, in this movie, obviously, they they pull the punch. They basically allude to like, hey, this might have been connected with uh, all of these right. people, and, and that the hit might have come from a mob source instead of like. You know, obviously, how people think about it in terms of current facts. His his play was that he wanted he he thought of Bobby Kennedy and JFK and Martin Luther King, all those murders back then. He said that if you knew who actually killed them, would anything change? Who said this? Martin Scorsese. Scorsese. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, this movie is about people and the people that are being affected in the film, and so that why he didn't want to get into a conspiracy theory debate so he kind of pulled it back and kind of just let little bits of of info to kind of be like right. this may have been a thing as as a threat from one person to another like saying higher ups anyone can be killed right if they kill the president what, what makes you think they can't kill the president right of the union? which is a great way to set up how hoffa's demise is going to come so uh, how did you guys feel about like sh- do you think that he should have left it alone at all. Do you like the way he used it? Like, how how do we feel about that? I'm always uh, a fan of of if it's historically accurate, using history to tell your story. Yeah, I don't like like JFK blamed Clay Shaw for a lot of the things in in the in the movie JFK. And I know you like that. I you say that. you don't care. I love yeah, JFK plays fast. He, alien, saying... he was alienated and like ostracized like, for that for okay, years. And right. I think that that's not. And it was proven to not be historically accurate. And I think when you do things like that. The power of film is it's it's a very powerful medium, yeah. And you can absolutely influence people, like you said. Like people will take this as gospel, as that yeah. Jimmy Hoffa died in that, yeah. And like you said, Frank is very quiet. Like why would he do that otherwise? Sure. But do you have the evidence to back it up? Yeah. So I think if they had to, oh yeah, we mobbed up, we killed him. Yeah. Like people go, oh, of course, Casey says it. It's got to be true, right? You don't know that. Why does a so film? I think it's more. It's wiser. Why does a film need to be held to some kind of? documentary that documentary like some factual nar- it's a fictional narrative it's a it's a story so i get what you're saying about jfk i get that yeah. but it's not jfk's that movie is not their service is not to make sure that you know everything maybe isn't accurate but they're telling a story but they're telling a story as if it were his historical drama well, it's a, whereas right. something like it, um 
Oh my god! The, Are you uh, telling the, me that Abraham Lincoln didn't fight bastards. vampires? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, like something like in, yeah. like Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter, but like something like Inglorious Bastards. It's sure. very clear cut. Yeah, this is a fantasy history. Yes. Right. Whereas something like JFK is like, hey, here's my historical drama. But I love JFK because I love the filmmaking in JFK. That's that's a like I can sit here and tell you the scenes that I love in JFK, and you know I know the ending is what I love the most. Right, right. But like that's why I love JFK because it's such a great piece of filmmaking. Whether the story also is... super long. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> but you know that's a, that's a that is a two box. That's a two. Yeah, box. it is. That two <laughs> yeah. First but, one ever watched, by the way. That was two box. Scarface. Oh, see, I don't. I don't, I don't like Scarface. Much, yeah. I'm just saying that. I'm um, just fun fact. That was my first two box, and I I hesitated to put the second one in. <laughs> Do I want to? Yeah. But anyway, I'm sorry. I, took no, your point. I have no idea. I was just saying I like JFK. Yeah. But so so we're fine with how they used it though, because I'm fine you, with it. I think it served the trying, narrative, and I don't think you mean it bringing it up. How they or just bringing it up, said. using it as almost like a threat level use of it, and not and but so still playing a little loose with saying like, "Hey, this is m- maybe not how it went down." Kind of playing into the conspiracy, but not going all the way to basically be like, "No, this is how it went down. This was a mob thing," and really and showing right. that this was a thing. But that's not the story, and that and unless unless this guy, unless uh, Sharon. Kill JFK. Right. There's no reason to. You can't. You can't ignore it because you have Hoffa who is battling with the Kennedys, and you have Jack Houston playing Bobby Kennedy. Right. You know. You have these. You. You can't ignore it because it's. And it, because it's. It was such a tragic event in history, and they're living yeah. through this time. You have to. You have, yeah. You have to at least address it, but it's not part of this story, so it doesn't need to. I don't think it needs to be so. You don't need to go there, right? You can you can allude to it and use it for the sake of like, hey, we're gonna kill Hoffa, like you said, like that's a good time to do that, right? But I don't think you you don't need to go any further, right? I think it's fine. I th- I just think you can't ignore it. That's the only thing. Yeah, I think using it as a threat is a clever way. To sure, use it as a threat, not being yeah. cut. We did or we did not. But how do you know? Be careful, right? Because who who's bigger than Hoffa? The Kennedys, Kennedy, yeah, pretty right. much that's it. And obviously, Bobby Kennedy used his power against Hoffa quite explicitly. So, you know, they, they it, it's kind of an interesting piece to use because it was so personal in the Hoffa story, too, that I think it was well played but uh, al- personally. But also look at in the scene. It's 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 Buffalino talking to Sharon. They're friends, but Buffalino is still his boss. So yeah. it, it's a it's a boss talking to an employee. Right. So, you know, even when they're driving up to go to have the meet and he's like, we got to stop and get some envelopes on the way. He's still working for him. So, yeah. Yeah. you know what I mean? It's not that kind of like, hey, man, I'm, it's, we're friend to friend. I'm sharing secrets with you. It's almost like, listen, I'm your boss. If this is going to happen, you know, it, it, you don't well, think it's going to happen to this At that guy? point, it's right. also still kind of like friend to friend because sure. at that point, Russell also doesn't want to have to put the the hit out on Hoffa, right? So the yeah. three of them are well because know, he's making they're making Russell, money. Frank and Hoffa, yeah. yeah, they like each other, but they like he knows like you keep pushing it to where uh, I'm going to be told by my higher ups, you know, someone else, someone other than me, right? But th- is gonna there's always the a bigger out. fish. Yeah. But think of it like this too. Sh- I would say that Sharon and Hoffa were were more friends than they weren't. It wasn't each other boss. They were more friends. He was working there. He was put there oh, yeah. by Buffalino. I would say that th- that's why the whole idea of like you're gonna go kill this guy. He's your. I don't care if he's your friend. Like that's why it was bothering because he was really his friend. Yes. Yeah. And 
even though Russell was his friend too, he was more of like the guy I work for, so I have to respect him. Well, and you know, he could kill my whole family. True. So it, <laughs> yeah. it's almost like you know, it's it's a different, it's a it's a weird relationship. So I think that it probably. I mean, I would say that him killing Hoffa just. I know they kind of show it a little bit leading up to it, but because the character of Sheeran, the Irishman, is. He's not necessarily. We've had this. We had this conversation on the ride home. He's not necessarily dumb, right? But he's not necessarily like a smooth talking. He's never. The, no. He's not the smartest right. guy in the room. Right. The exactly. And yeah. it's uh, you don't have a lot of that because he's so internalized. So you don't really have a lot of that before leading up. Like he doesn't. He obviously doesn't want to do it. Right. But it's never like. It's always like, well, you know, maybe like, you know, like, you know, maybe you could just talk to him. A little. Like, it's always like he's trying to talk yeah. his way at him out of it, but he's never, he's not going to. He's not yeah. Going to right. And then he has the phone call at the end when he calls the wife and it's like the, it's such a hard phone call for him to make. And it's such a hard phone call for us to watch because he's oh, yeah. just kind of like stumbling and rambling to the point where at the end of the movie, he talks about how, like, why did I make that phone call? It's what kind of did yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not killing Hoffa, but not right. being there for his family. So it, it's hit. tough to have a lead who's internalized everything. And he's also not, like you said, not the smartest person in the room, not smooth, right? not a lead almost. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, he, he doesn't play like the lead in, in a lot of parts of this movie because it's kind of like fr- the beginning, he's a bookend. He, he's, a, he's a method to get through this life and, and he's kind of like the, the shining example of, you know, keep your head down, just work, Do you know, yep. be reliable, be, you know, uh, the relationships that he developed and, and his loyalties. And, and what does that get you? I know. Nothing. Uh, nothing. And, and obviously, you know. Uh, he got a pretty badass ring. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Only three people have this it ring. You, I tell you, it gets you, it gets you nothing in terms of your family. Yeah. It's just you lose them. And speaking of the family, cause I brought it up earlier. I am curious now that we've all seen the movie now, uh, the Anna Paquin stuff and and a lot of stuff that they were saying like how I un- the way I understand I don't want to like tip the hands too hard is this movie is about these three guys sure. or at least about this life that is wildly male dominated so a lot of people coming into the movie were kind of like you have all these women in here but they all don't say anything they just smoke cigarettes and stay out of the way or they're young children or you know basically like a lot of the characters on the women's side like don't have a lot of depth or dialogue i'm just saying what some of the complaints were i'm not saying whether i I share them or not and the biggest one that people complained about was the anna paquin character now obviously she's the older version only of of a character who was developed as a child in right. this movie, and, yes, and you know a lot of people are saying that her lack of dialogue was problematic, and and that there should have been more, especially if she did essentially mean as much as she does in this movie. How do you guys? I, before I kind of lay down how I feel, I'm curious to see how you guys feel about that portrayal. Is that an accurate complaint? Is that something that you felt was an issue? You want me to go or you want to go? Well, I, I would just say that I think, like I said before, I think she's, as as the little girl, her character spoke volumes by not speaking. I think so too. The less she spoke. I think that was the whole point is that she's sh- so shut off. And I think by having Anna Paquin, you kind of, you're expecting her to have some big big line or big monologue. And in the end, no, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care that I've got this big actress. I'm not talking to you. That's how yeah. I don't like you. And I think that speaks volume for, volumes for her character even as an adult. 
Yes. So I think that's why you put someone like Anna Paquin in it. Like, oh, you're going to put Anna Paquin. She's going to say she's going to say something but you, at the funeral. You had the, no lines. You had the comment where you're like, well, you're Anna Paquin and they come into you. You're going to do this. You're not going to do a oh, Martin Scorsese absolutely. movie. You have no lines. Right. Give me a break. Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. OK. But here's the other thing. And you're the actor. It It's much harder to act without talking than it is to just do lines. Oh, yeah. yeah having so, these I'm, I'm Oscar sorry, so real we're just, we're just not, Yeah, we're just going to discount that the fact that she is doing, she is saying lines with her at reactions on her face. Like, that's... The entire scene where she right. watches the um, right. the news report of uh, Joe right. Ever getting killed in the diner and she mm-hmm. knows it was him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just her looking at the TV screen, looking at her father. Yeah. And she and, and the fact that she's, when she's dancing with Hoffa at the, uh, the testimonial and she's just looking around the room and you know what she's thinking, it's like, that's called acting. Yeah. yeah. Who don't understand acting that are complaining. Yeah. And the other thing is, she's her father's daughter. I mean, I'm sorry. You know, he internalizes everything. They just sat here, said that he internalized and everything. You don't think that rubs off on the daughter right. that she's yeah. the same way? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. Are we? Ma- is Martin Scorsese making uh, his movie, or is Martin Scorsese making the movie that you want him to make? Uh, right. It doesn't work that way. I Go know. make your own freaking movie then. Yeah. Sorry. What's <laughs> up, film Twitter? <laughs> um, but <laughs> but I would also say that, uh, I, and you said this is why you bring Anna Paquin in, and that's cool, and I understand that completely, but. I also think this almost doesn't happen. This controversy doesn't happen if it's not Anna Paquin. If they just had somebody who was a lesser name, maybe not as recognizable, that played that character the way that Anna Paquin played it, I don't think we're anyone's well, complaining. Maybe the specifics to her character, but I wouldn't be surprised if somebody came up with the fact and said, like, you know, there's not a lef- not a lot of uh, women representation in the movie. Right, I could see that. that maybe that, that's probably still going to happen. But again, that's not the movie. Right, you don't, you can't. It's a, a historical movie, a movie that is based in, you know, based on someone's memoir. You right. can't make up too yeah. much. Yeah. And you're going to make one of the characters female. I mean, I know yeah. I'm, I'm being a little bit, I'm going a little too far, but right. it, it's just. Well, let's say they, they focus on the wife. They do. Scorsese's and they even bring in Hoffa's to... wife to say, like, look at how much of a role that she plays uh, as well. So if you add extra sure. scenes, he's not cutting out tough. any of the other scenes. You're adding a four hour movie now. No, well, for sure. For our that couple, maybe that's what they cut out. Maybe. 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 <laughs> I will say this though that they do kind of like he like leaves his wife and they gloss and, over it a little bit. And it was just kind of like, so we're cool with this. Yeah. So this is the Where'd part. Where'd she go? Yeah. yeah. And, and like he says at one point, like they're pretty copacetic. Right. The two, right. The two yeah. Women. That he's lucky they but are. Like, yeah. But they seem to live with you. So where yeah. does the wife live now? Like I was a little. That was a little like what? what but I, I imagine that's probably in the four hour cut. Maybe and, and yeah, be something. Maybe yeah. a wedding scene or something. Maybe yeah, and and also Scorsese went really deep with this movie too because uh, I was talking to like I have the interview with Jordan Di Natale and she was saying a couple of interesting things. One, uh, members of Sheeran's family uh, worked on this movie. Like they worked as like production assistants and other like key things on set workers that they brought it in and kind of made it like this family affair of people who wanted to contribute and and tell the story of Frank Sheeran. I thought that was pretty uh, amazing and also I, I know that there was a lot of like they uh, certain members of the family were there at the screenings and they kind of intimated like you know this is how it was with my father like we we didn't see him a lot we kind of became estranged. We were fearful of what he was capable of. Sure. And uh, there wasn't a lot 
to be said around him. It was very much, you know, let him be him when he's home and, and kind of let that be how this plays. And I think that's how that is accurate to the movie. So if it was, if it felt, if anything felt disingenuous or, or not accurate to like the, the movie version, I could see complaining, but just kind of like complaining about the lack of dialogue or any of these things in general. I I think that's that's, short-sighted. That's, that has now become. We always have to have a narrative. Yeah, but that, yeah. yeah, that is. It's it's not. It, that has become the norm now. Just to yeah. find something that's wrong with something and to just kind of like, you know, put it upon them, put it upon the filmmakers to like explain themselves. Like, yeah. why'd you do this? And it's like it's not. It's right. not so nefarious as you always think. It's I'm right. The story. Now I want to talk about something a little more positive. Uh, that wasn't positive? No. no. <laughs> not your response to the, the, the narrative. I, I don't want to bicker. We're not, uh, we're not fighting. Yeah. <laughs> we can. It is what it is. You put hands on my daughter, Andrew? You're showing a lack of appreciation for being on this podcast. Um, but I would say uh, one of the things that stood out for me in the movie was how deep the cast was. With this movie, uh, besides the big three, who, is there someone for you that like made this movie for you? I thought Ray Liotta was going to be in this movie. Apparently not. Oh, man. I was looking forward to that. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm a big fan of Bobby Cannavale. That's how you say his name? Yeah, yeah. I love him. Yeah. Like, I think Do you watch Homecoming? Or did you watch Homecoming? No, I, I never got... I didn't watch that, but I mean, he's I good from Boardwalk Empire, but like... Yeah. Uh, he's in. Uh, I know we're not supposed to like Woody Allen films, but he was in that Woody <laughs> Allen film, uh, the one with Kate Blanchett, I think. Oh, uh, Blue Jasmine. Yeah, he's I hated that. that fucking movie, but, but yeah, love, he's good. He is good. Oh, he, Dice he is, is good. Is that the one with Dice? I think so. Is that yeah, what I'm thinking of. Yeah, anyway, Dice is good. I like yeah. Bobby Cannavale. He's, yeah, he's he's really good. I do enjoy him. Um, I mean, I like seeing Harvey Keitel, but he didn't do a lot. No, he didn't. You know, I'm a Jack Houston fan. I love him in Boardwalk Empire as well. Right, uh, you know, but it, I mean, he was Bobby Kennedy, and I always like he's never like in enough, like yeah, you know. But like, I, I so I mean, I mean, I like Jesse Plemons. I like Ray Romano. Yeah, Ray I Romano was yeah. good. Lawyer, he was I thought fine, he was really yeah. understated, which I was kind of surprised about. I think uh, Did for you like Stephen Van Sant as uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I completely forgot about that until I was in the interview with Jordan, which because she's a big, uh, she's in that scene, that big. Uh, testimonial yeah, scene yeah, or whatever, yeah. and which I found out uh, they actually did that. Like they played that where where everybody was there all the time, oh, practically. Nice. Like it was it was not really broken up. I know we were kind of talking about that. Like it was probably you know broken up. She probably wasn't there that long. No, everybody was there for was, one day. No, from like Months, weeks. Weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. Uh, one of the things that stood out for me as a comedian, I appreciated that I there are three comedians who are re- all very good in this movie. And this is after coming off uh, seeing Joker, where there's two prominent comedian people in there as well. And then uh, now this one. Uh, now, obviously, Jim Norton as Don Rickles isn't. Which I like. They never said. They never said his name. Too. I know. Like you, you would need to know that. That's yeah. If yeah. I didn't see it in the credits that way, I wouldn't have known. You didn't know that was Brickles. I had a, a thought that it would be uh, him, yeah. but again, like given time period and the mo- like, you can kind sure. of probably paint it that way. And the look, it was enough, but it didn't like scream Rickles. You, but he has that kind of vibe. Do you obviously. think that if Rickles was alive today, rest in peace, that they would have put him in this movie, de-aged him? <laughs> That would have been interesting. 
I would have liked that. <laughs> I would have liked that a lot. Because he, he had that fire still all the way to the sure. end. He was performing in Vegas all the way up until the end. So it wouldn't have shocked me whatsoever. But I enjoyed him. I definitely did enjoy Ray Romano. I thought he was really good. And that's after coming off of uh, another Netflix movie that I enjoyed, Paddleton, where he basically carries that movie. So I'm well, seeing like Romano really come into his own here. He's in the movie um, The Kid from... The guy from Silicon Valley, their movie, his movie that he did with his wife. They wrote. He's the comedian, and he meets his his wife's in the audience, and remember she has she has she gets sick, and he like goes. Oh, no. oh the big sick. You know, yeah. he was tremendous he in was that too. Yeah, Kamal yeah. Nanjiani's yeah, yeah. movie. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. So he's really hitting his stride with this stuff, and I hope he really keeps it up because he started doing more serious stuff with Parenthood and some other shows that were more dramedies, like Men of a Certain Age and things like that. And now he's like really blending that line. I- I'm encouraged to see him do more of it. I'm into it. Isn't he in like Get Shorty, the sh- TV show? On stars or epics or something like um, that. Who him? the fuck has stars or epics? Well, I have stars. I don't have epics. <laughs> <laughs> you don't got that epics money right there? No, sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> sorry to all the comedians who have epic specials. That I, that was a thing for oh, quite some time. I don't time. even know if that's him. I, yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah. But... So I thought he was really good. And surprisingly, Sebastian Maniscalco was really good well, as Crazy Joe. I read that he didn't... He, he wasn't gonna do that part like he auditioned for something else i didn't hear the story oh i don't know i don't know okay no i listen i he's electric from the time he's on to when he gets whacked i i I thought he was tremendous he runs away oh shit I love, yeah. how, I love how, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to No, I was going to say for anyone who saw the trailer and there's that infamous scene of like the broken glass and, yeah. and shooting the guy in the head, that's, that's that scene for anybody. Well, when like Frank's talking about how like he's talking about how he's going to kill him. Oh, and the, he's the, got guns? the guns? Yeah, he's that's like, a you great go you, go, you, don't, you don't kill the bodyguard. You, 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 you wound him first. You right. You, you got know. no problems. You got no yeah. issue. And then you, then you go out. But like he goes in, just turns around, starts blasting. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, he, yeah there's no like, art to it whatsoever. The very first shot is the shoulder to the bodyguard. Yeah, but why not? Kill a bodyguard. I don't care. Because you that. got no beef with them. Yeah, but the bodyguard's gonna. Eh, I guess not. Well, no, because <laughs> now it's all water. You killed his dog. He's got nothing left. All right. He's gonna go to another guy. <laughs> oh, <shit>. Yeah. <laughs> But that scene uh, and the way it's kind of portrayed—it's <laughs> uh, funny. It does kind of go from Goodfellas back to this movie, where you have the examination of the guns and the explanation. Yeah. The you know, there's a lot of voiceover that pops up. In this yeah, movie. yeah. And I was, and, and then it goes the greatest hits album. Well, that's of. the conversation yeah, we're having in the car on the ride home too. Was like I was saying to Mike, it's like you forget that you forget that so many people have aped. Martin Scorsese. Yeah, you of course. You forget how, like, he is the originator yeah. for a lot of the stuff that you see in a movie like a Quentin Tarantino movie or a Spike Lee anything movie. Like yeah. Any crime movie. Even Swingers yeah. or anything. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. He is, he was the first. And yeah. I think a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. That, you know, like, they might see this movie and be like, oh, I've seen that already. But it's like, no, that's him. Yeah. Man. He's, he's the just one coming that, full circle. Right, he's yeah. the one that put people on the camera on the dolly and walked with them. It looked like they were floating before anybody else did. Right. That. Yeah. I yeah. love that shot that starts in the barber shop and pulls back into that kind of mall area, goes to the steps, then goes back around and focuses on the flower. Yeah. I right. love those classic long Scorsese right. takes. Yeah. I don't think there were enough of in this movie. No. That's when I come to a Scorsese movie, that's what I'm always looking for is like that raging bull shot up to the ring. Like right. I love those shots. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously his his more famous one is the Copa shot from Goodfellas with yep. the the track and you know the one shot tracking yep. through the Copa and I guess a lot of people are making comparisons to the opening shot 
of the Irishman to kind of be like the sad Copa shot because <laughs> it's like the you know the nursing home, yeah. uh, but it does do that slow kind of clumsy tracking yeah. you know version. It almost felt like you know like a tracking shot that was meant to look like kind of like uneven and and weird like that because I felt it almost <laughs> no weirdly it felt like. Yeah, you've seen people do dolly shots where they're sitting in a handicap chair and you push them along instead of doing dolly track. I've done those shots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> where they kind of have just a little bit of shake to them because sure. it's not a dolly track. It felt a lot like that to me. But I, now seeing the scope of what they did with the film and the book ending of the of the nursing home, I, I definitely appreciate it for for what that is. Even it, whether it's a, an intentional homage on his part to his own self, I would doubt he would be doing that but uh it's probably just something he likes and but but also that, like right there's so many there's two different there's so many different time shifts in terms of the bookend of the he i don't know who he's telling the story to and uh, oh yeah that's yeah. true he's yeah. like just talking i was waiting from yeah. to be talking to the cops somebody or talking to the author of the book maybe he's just nuts right but, because uh, you would right. assume kind of based on how this story all came together that it is the author of the book right, right. and that he is laying out that story uh, because the only time he, you see him with the cops, they show the cops. So if you're saying camera is somebody, I would assume it would have to be, oh, what's his name? Charles Brandt? Yeah. Is that mm -hmm. the name? Yep. So uh, you would think that's it, but yeah, they never address that. I, uh, that's interesting. They never do that. But like, so you have, he's talking to somebody and they bookend it with his, you know, him being in the nursing home, but also they have him on a trip telling a story. Well, I'm on this trip, but this trip is also not present time or not that, you know, cause in the trip, He's having flashbacks to when they first right, it's met. Like a story, yeah. a story. So it's all over the place, which yeah. I, I don't mind. Which, but it's you know, just, yeah. if you're talking to like some guy in a nursing home, a lot of times their stories do go sure. all over the place because they want to keep the story going as long as they can because they're so lonely, but also they have so much to tell and they want right. to tell these stories that they have. What stories will you tell, Butler? <laughs> one time I was in this room. It's like a blue room. So I talked to these three guys about the movie that came out called The Irishman. You're talking to three guys? Yeah. There's yeah, only two of us here. Oh, boy. Let me tell you about the story of The Irishman. <laughs> Quick tangent. So the Irishman's at three and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I don't know why they didn't address that, but one thing I do want to address is the the narrative now shifts for this movie now that people are going to see it is basically it's being well received everywhere outside of Mike Butler. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it's no. too long. Yeah. Why a great yeah. film? Score. No. Too much yeah. trash. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I would say uh, it is being lauded as something that will like 99% be up for best picture and have a very strong I would, case. I, I, yeah, I don't, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of stuff that's out yet. I know Butler, you know, jizzes over Jerry. Cause you're old. I haven't seen, yeah, exactly. Feel this old. <laughs> you know him, he's the one that, yeah. no, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, uh, we could do Liar Liar next um, time. Yeah. yeah. But, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Best picture film. Yeah, picture, no, yeah. I, I can can't see, think of any off the top of my head that really. Would I haven't compete. seen a lot. Well, you love Joker, and I know that I, there, I know Joker, that there's going to be a huge push for that movie because it's a comic book movie. Well, without showing all my cards, because who the care? I'm, this is a Netflix podcast, so it's not like I'm, you know, showing sides. <laughs> I, I think it's real tight in in of the movies that I've seen between Once Upon a Time, The Irishman, and Parasite. And obviously, Marriage Story is right on its heels, going to be coming out in I've the next couple of weeks. So, you know, between those, I think those are all very strong. You know, there are other things that may compete, like 
uh, you know, a beautiful day in the neighborhood, or right, right. Uh, you know, well, he, I'd say if he's, uh, I haven't seen a beautiful day in the neighborhood, but if yeah. he's great in it, he's gonna get, he's gonna win. It's well, see, yeah, it's tough, especially because he's gonna be best supporting, and we're talking about You're here talking uh, about who's gonna be best supporting. Hanks because he's no. not the lead. The lead is the journalist. That's the way the the movie. Well, then if he's best supporting, out. he's definitely going to win because Pesci and Hoffa really? aren't going to get nominated for best. They're going to go best supporting. They're not going to go best. Who's they're going? Well, go but that's my point. So wouldn't he have split up the vote? Uh, yeah. Well, if they if they only put one or the other, I guess. But uh, and yeah. Parasite will win a f- the foreign language film. Yeah, and I agree. I I've, 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 I said this on my. Uh, I'm sure you got that from me. Who uh, my oh, last really? episode when I, I don't was listen listening. to your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was alluding to. <laughs> it all comes out. So, but the last podcast I did, we were talking about Bong Joon Ho because yeah. we were talking about Okja and. Basically, I've I've seen this before. Wh- whether it's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, or whether it's Roma or others, it's like they make the international award for a reason so they can praise you and then be like, "Yeah, but you're not going to win Best Picture because so, yeah. it, it, it never happened. There's no right. precedent. I mean, Parasite might have the best chance, but you're telling me it's it's going to be not Scorsese or Tarantino. That would be amazing well, if yeah, that didn't if, happen. I can see Scorsese getting nominated and getting it because he's great. Like it's last hurrah kind of thing. Right. I can see a lot of that, but who knows? Who knows what happens anymore? It's all political. Well, and so, and with that notion in mind, like Tom Hanks has won multiple times before. If he's he should have won three, Andrew, but well, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, oh which, which, he uh, what's won your, for Apollo 13. I, okay. Cause he was, he was, he was the best one that year. Yeah. Sorry. No, that's fine. But see, he didn't uh, win because he already won two. And he yeah, and this this row. is what happens, right? So Scorsese won his one. Yeah. So it, it makes it less of an imperative to give it to him, but it also feels like a, a swan song, even though it's it nobody's saying I that. Could see nobody's him not saying, making another movie. I could definitely see Pesci not making another I movie. That's for they had sure. To ask I mean, him like fifty you know, times. To I know. Do this movie. Yeah. I remember uh, like when this movie was first announced, like for ninety years ago, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna get Pesci, Pacino, and right. uh, De Niro back, maybe, right, maybe." Yeah, <laughs> and, and so I, I mean, there's definitely certain things that I think this might be an immediate front runner for. I mean, if you had to choose between Pesci or De, uh, Pesci or uh, excuse me, Pacino, um, who would you put up? Who, who do you think deserves the the better perform like the award in this scenario we, we talked about this in the car and we disagree i slightly th- although i think they both deserve i like nominated. pacino in this movie i do but i just think it's a I th- and you might respect this as an actor i think it's there's a lot more work that goes into playing something understated and that's why i think i like pesci a little bit more in this because he's so reserved and so understated and i've seen not that pacino's doing pacino but i've seen pacino be loud before and he's great i'm not saying he's not great i just think a when you are able to do all that work, but you're in your shell, you're just cool and calm, and that's who you are. I I admire that more. Well, especially because that's against type a little sure. bit for Pesci too. But it's so. it's it's close. It's it's yeah, if I mean, if Pacino won or not nominated, and he didn't. I, whatever. I'm not. Gonna but with that like, said, Ugh. when I came out of that movie, I felt Pacino. I just and 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 go- Pacino yeah. just electrifies oh, every scene yeah. he's yeah. in. It's like all I want to watch is. is I get Hoffman. that. Yeah, and and to be honest, I, I had more respect for him on uh, after the fact because I kind of said to myself, I don't know if he's doing an accurate Hoffa. 
because I don't remember Hoffa. So I went and looked up clips of you Hoffa, and like I was Nicholson? like, "Yeah, right." <laughs> <laughs> but I, so I, I, but I, I think he nailed a lot of the mannerisms and a lot of the at least the attitude and energy. So it wasn't Pacino being a Pacino, right, right. you know, stereotype. He was playing to what he was supposed to accomplish, and I think that made me made it resonate more for me that I think if I was to pick an award person right now, it would be Pacino in, in Best Supporting. I think for how understated De Niro is for a lot of the movie, I find it hard to believe that he would get Best Actor this year. I don't think he would, no. um, And especially because, like for, we were saying this before, that a lot of times it feels like he's not the lead in this movie, yeah. uh, that it kind of is a definite three-hander uh, of sorts. Uh, they might split the vote anyways. That's true. Nominated. I, I can I can see Scorsese. Why did this turn into an Oscar podcast? Well, I'm curious because <laughs> that's the narrative for this going forward. So I was curious to to see how you guys felt of like, and it kind of shows like what are the prominent things about this movie? Is it is the screenplay something that would stand out for you? That like best adapted from the book or is it something uh you know like did the cinematography do anything for you that that you think it should be rewarded uh, and this is the type of uh, conversation that i was thinking about should it be nominated for a bunch of stuff i think so should it win i don't know because i really don't want people to forget once upon a time in hollywood yeah i, I really like that movie quite a bit and i think really it's good. I think it's Pesci's in both. Can't we just I, or, or excuse me? Now uh, Pacino's in both. Yeah, yeah, I said to a friend of mine because I said if if Pulp Fiction's number one, if Pulp Fiction's his number one, this is one A. Mm. Like it's, I really like that movie. Like to the point where I, when we were working at the theater, I would walk in and just watch scenes. That's yeah, that is definitely a rewatch scenes yeah. movie. So that I, I mean, I just hope that's not forgotten. Yeah, but, but like I mean, and if it is. We'll help you guys remember. Hey, <laughs> I like that plug. I yeah. would, um, yeah. So I, I just hope that, I, but I haven't seen a lot of the other stuff. And plus, there's more stuff coming. And you know yeah. how they like tag everything at the end. You know that like there's tons of Christmas movies coming out. Yeah. And, so, and heck, Marriage Story can take yeah. it over for being uh, another Netflix movie. And Two Popes is you also re- you, being. You really are sucking on that Netflix TV. Hey, man. I get no. I, <laughs> where, I appreciate where the that. Butter, uh, well, bread is buttered. Well, but let me ask you this because you brought up Netflix and you brought it up before and I didn't ask and I want to bring it up now. Sure. So this movie is really geared towards an older audience. I know. I found that. Do you it, mm. do you think that that older audience has got Netflix? Is really I going don't. to sit? Yeah. So and, and, and I so I personally thought the 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 stare down of the the window before release. I thought at first I thought well. The the theaters might be uh, the stubborn dinosaur digging its heels. There's that narrative to the story. Then there's the, oh, well, Netflix knows what it has, so they think they have all the cars, so they're going to be stubborn narrative. And then there's the one that you just said where it's like, doesn't it behoove them to put this in as many theaters as you can for as long as you can? Because it's an expensive movie that when, when I was there on opening night, Friday night, uh, a lot of the people who were talking to me were like, A, this is a Scorsese movie. I'm not going to see a Scorsese movie on a platform. And a lot of those people who were saying those type of things to me were saying it as people who were 40, 50 and up. 
and, and people have seen the arc of Scorsese's career. People aren't coming in there going, "Hey, I saw Hugo yesterday, and I'm gonna <laughs> go, uh, you know, check this out," or "I saw Silence on Hulu, and I'm gonna, you know, check out this Scorsese guy." Uh, These are people who have seen him since the '70s. I gotta think that Netflix's next play is to just buy a chain of theaters. Oh, did you see the the congressional thing that's going to open oh, really? that up? Good. Did the, buy a chain of theaters. Buy somebody that's struggling. Yeah. Buy a chain and be like, all Netflix movies are going to get a uh, are going to be released a month before they come out. Yeah. Streaming on our channel. What I don't understand is Amazon Studios puts out films in yep. theaters be- and lets them go. Like, um, Big Sick was. Um, Yep. Amazon, correct? Yeah. Why is Netflix so afraid? Well, so was uh, Late Night that yeah, just came but out. Amazon, the, or, but but Amazon's yeah. got the base of they sell all the shit. They don't give a shit. They have so much money that they can do something, but they also have somebody in charge that really knows. Like I would say that to, to that point, Mike, I would say, like I said, buy a chain, re- just do your own release, of do yeah. your own distributor, right. your own studio, but also follow Amazon's model of what type of movies you do right what type of what type of filmmakers you bring in what how do you release like don't try to do it on your own just poach somebody from amazon and follow that mm. and and just do that and just i'm sorry but like you have like stranger things you've right you're gonna tell me that you're not gonna go to a theater on a friday night and watch the first two episodes of stranger things before anybody else can see it in a month absolutely oh yeah. my god how much yeah. money would you make and you're and yeah. that's all netflix money you or, own the you own the company or to be honest i mean some of these episode runs are so short some people would literally watch the whole thing you if you do, gave you it to them binge in the theater. watching marathons yeah. and have events at these places oh, listen yeah i'll run one of these places yeah <laughs> but seriously like that's no, what they should do if, if, if they're, if, i think it's if, coming if cinemark and and amc and regal. regal if they're gonna all be like no dig your heels well, you know what then screw you because we've got the content and yeah. we don't have to give it to you listen right. i can see coming up Almost all of these major studios making exclusivity deals with all the like because there's enough major chains that they could totally do that. Sure, I could see like oh you know Netflix bought Bowtie Criterion whatever and then you know uh, Disney decides to go with AMC and then you know Cinemark goes with you know Amazon like I I could totally see it becoming because they have a lot of the power because they're like listen. You either are associated with us because we have all this money in other avenues to where we can offset the cost of this, or you die. The problem with the only <laughs> problem with that is that then you'll have Disney and they'll be like, Well, screw you. Because you know what? We've got new Star Wars and we've got new Marvel and you're gonna want to do that shit. Well, yeah. guess what? You ain't opening our movie. So right. let them not and because Disney owns about what, ninety five percent of everything. Especially that makes money. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So you have because I know AMC announced maybe a couple years ago that they were going to have they were going to do their own movies and right. they quickly went away. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah, you you have that. But with Netflix, I think you if you're small, if you start small and you yeah. have you you have the content already, you're I think they should have one theater right. in every major metro. Right. You're not but but Netflix isn't making like Avengers. They're not no. making like a big Marvel movie. They've got they their competition while I get Disney Plus is their competition. Yeah. But, Disney as a huge giant studio is not really Netflix's competition. Yeah. You know? So go get the the Marty Scorsese's. Go get the movie the, the filmmakers are people love but yeah. you know aren't making movies right now and put them in theaters. Yeah. Put them in your own theater and watch people go. Well, wouldn't yeah. that be against the United States versus Paramount Pictures though? Did you just look that up? I couldn't remember the court case. <laughs> I didn't remember it was a court case though. But like wouldn't that go against it? Uh, well, if they started buying these theater chains that would just go fly in the face of why theater companies can't own these theater chains to begin with well this is what i was saying like something happened recently where they overturned some of these 
laws that maybe that's what came out of that case. I don't know exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. but like, I'm saying like, let's say they have they have 50 theaters, one in each state. Like, they're not a huge. They're not 5,000 right. theaters. Yeah. Not, like, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. I think they march it. I think they mark it off by screens. I don't think they call it by theaters. I think they call right, it by how yeah. many screens you yep. have. Yeah. So. In that regard, I mean, it's still a boutique. It's like the Alamo Draft House almost. I was going to say like it's exactly like be that. Be like yeah. something like that. Yeah. Put yourself in major. Yeah. Put yourself in like outside of Austin, outside of Chicago, New York, L.A. You know the the big yeah you know, the D.C. Hubs, that's what I was saying. Miami. Major metro. Yeah. yeah. Just do that. Yeah. And, and just start off small, but like, you you gonna tell me like you wouldn't like let's say like a movie was coming out that we really wanted to see. You know, let's say they signed a thing with Spielberg and he's doing Indiana Jones 6 or something like that. Let's say that Disney never bought it. Yeah. You know, and it's going to be available in New York for, for a month before it comes out on Netflix. You oh, yeah, I'm me and you were in the car. The and yeah, 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 exactly. Right. I'm tetting out. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. but I'm just saying, I mean, I think. I think they should explore that. I'm sure they already have. I don't know what. I'm, like, I'm sure. Like, I'm breaking some news. Like, they don't like they <laughs> they're don't listening have to thousands of people yeah. talking about well, I need that guy's, guy's address right, right now. Yeah. <laughs> but like. Mike you know. Sarandos, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to tell you this, but I got a job with no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for doing. I, I, you know, I, unless you guys have anything else, I think obviously mm-hmm. before we get to be three and a half hours on, on this episode, oh, I think uh, we should go longer. Yeah. <laughs> I think this we the both just have one question for you, Andrew. Yeah. Did you put hands on my daughter? <laughs> <laughs> Did you put hands? Yeah. All due respect, Frank. Your daughter was out of line. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bold move. It's a bold move on his part. <laughs> But thank you guys for doing this. Uh, obviously, like uh, if people uh, aren't listeners to this podcast from from the get, um, <laughs> which you should be, or should be going back and listening to all the the other amazing episodes we have for this. Uh, everybody knows Mike Field and Mike Butler, but tell the people, tell the folks where they can find Forgotten Cinema and any other plugs you guys have. Well, you can find Forgotten Cinema on. Anywhere podcasts are available. We also have a website, ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com. Our podcast is about, Mike, take it away. Forgotten films that, for whatever reason, seem to be forgotten by audiences, and we deserve, we think, deserve a second chance. We've done movies like Near Dark. That's it. The Burbs. The Burbs. (laughs) Uh, Collateral. Collateral. We've done older films, such as uh, Star Chamber. Sugarland Express. Sugarland Express. Yeah. We run the gamut of films. Oh, uh, I heard you did Burn After Reading too. With we did of when Andrew was on an episode f- with us. Yeah, for the Coen Brothers Burn After Reading, which I thought was uh, was a good episode. Right? Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, I think yeah. so. We should check it out. It was really, really and good. your promos are amazing too. Thank you. Yes, we have we have started to do some, so you can actually see who what we look like. <laughs> the sh- Butler's the short one. I yeah. always wear Raiden costume. <laughs> <laughs> so check them out on socials. On uh, we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Forgotten Cinema. It's really you know, it's, it's just look for the purple logo with the big purple swooshes on there yeah yeah there you go you'll see us that's us yeah if you're not uh under the age of what would you say 25 or something for what to, in, terms to, of, in terms of like we well to know the old hbo feature presentation oh, right uh, yeah so yeah. the the logo is based on i don't know if you remember they did they kind of did a redid it but like in the 80s they used to have the uh hbo logo the purple down, one yeah. yeah and it was and when they had the little sh- the the streaks, the the streaks? Mo- yeah they yeah, were kind of purplish that's kind of yeah. like what we mocked we, we modeled it after yeah we always yeah. say that if we ever got some some moolah that we would uh re- you'd redo do the it. street oh, yeah. absolutely. well we'd redo the whole thing you know nobody anybody who has like a model uh model uh, town or something that you could, yeah <laughs> we'd find them maybe we'll do anybody it. into model trains yeah, or anything? We, we'd find them we'd do it we definitely yeah. we'd, we'd want to do something along those lines but that's like you know when we get cash yeah <laughs> <laughs> for my job at netflix <laughs> 
Well, thank you guys again for doing this. Uh, and obviously, everybody listen to Forgotten Cinema and check them out on socials. And, and thank you guys again. Oh, thanks for having us. Yeah. And thank you for being at the at the you know opening night thing. That meant a lot Aww, for you guys to come thanks, out. Man. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. Were we talking ticket reimbursement? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is over. <laughs> <laughs>